Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, you know, my heart is full today. And so uh, before I go any further, I'm just going to share with you that we had an eventful night last night. Uh, we got news that our daughter, Anna, that uh, uh, she was going to have to go to the hospital because it appeared she was going to begin labor for our grandchild. And uh, I'm a grandpa today. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Woo. I am, I am Papa. Papa Bear, Papa Smurf, Papa John's Pizza. I'm just, I'm Papa today. And uh, man, I am so excited and so thankful to God for his blessing. Mom and baby are doing so well. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. So we're so grateful to welcome a very beautiful and healthy baby girl, Alette Eden Glasgow, into the world. And I thank you for your prayers. And uh, we were, um, yeah, I mean, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know it was coming. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize that. <laughs> Amen. But I'm so excited. I hope I get through this message today. Amen. I feel like preaching this morning and praising. Amen. Giving God the glory. Hallelujah. God is a good God. God is a good God. Praise the Lord. And we're so thankful that you are here today. This is just a wonderful season. And, and we just look to God in praise and thanksgiving for his many blessings. I know you noticed a few uh, vehicles out on our soccer field as you drove in. And, and uh, we are so thankful that the, the work has begun on the new worship center. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And, and as we do, I just I want to ask you to continue to pray. Can we bind together in prayer for the Ready Now project, the completion of our new worship center? And we're coming to the conclusion of our Ready Now giving campaign. Uh, but I want to encourage you under no obligation of commitment that you may have made through the 36-month campaign. But as we continue to give unto the Lord. It's going to make this process so smooth. And we thank you for your continued faithfulness and diligence. I'm telling you, this is a great church. You are a great people. God has used you mightily to bring about a great work. And we thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah. I'm so honored to get to preach to you today and, and, and to be able to partner with you in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, my heart is full today. I'm, I'm asking you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. I want to read beginning with the 15th verse. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. The word of the Lord says this. When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us. Peradventure is an old English word for there's a big possibility that he might hate us. 
and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. So he very likely is going to hate us. But, but what's not just a likelihood, but an absolute certainty is that he's going he's to call us to account for all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for me, as for you, rather, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive." Now, therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And I want to speak to you this morning from the 20th verse. You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day. And this is what I'd like to concentrate our minds on today. To save much people alive. And I just want to speak to you about saving people saving people can we lift up our voices unto the Lord and ask his blessing upon the preaching of the word Lord I thank you for I thank you for everything you have done for your beautiful word and your beautiful blessing for the spirit of the Lord that is in this house you are so good Lord and we worship you we praise your name I thank you for this gathering of the faithful today. And I pray that you will bless the preaching of the word of God. Anoint it, O Lord, and let it be meat to our souls. Let it be bread. Let it be satisfying to our spirit. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. When the angel appeared to Mary and was helping her to understand that what was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost and that she was not to be afraid, that all of this was of God's doing, um, he made a statement to her concerning the baby that would be born. And this was the statement. He said... You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That was the announcement, that was the declaration upon the life of that child who was God manifest in human flesh. He shall save his people from their sins. Why is he here? Because he shall save his people from their sins. When Jesus came to years and was now ready to launch into this most uh, 
powerful ministry, the thing that had been declared by prophets of old. The Bible says that he stood up in the synagogue and he began to, he began to read from the prophet Isaiah and what he read simply said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bring deliverance to the captives, to open up the prison doors, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to open the eyes of the blind, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He was describing his ministry and the wonderful works that he would do on the earth. And he was saying, this is why I am here. I am here to do these things. To open the eyes of the blind. To, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And to open the prison door. Preach deliverance to the captives. And preach the gospel to the poor. And this, this was him fulfilling what had been declared over his life. From the very beginning when Mary had him conceived in her and was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. Jesus explained to his disciples on, an, on a number of occasions what his mission was, what his ministry was. He said to them, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I love the this is that statements of the Bible. When the Bible just says this is that. And we see that in that verse of scripture, Luke 19, 10. Jesus said, the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He, why is he here? To seek and save. Why is the spirit of the Lord upon me? To preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim liberty, to preach deliverance to the captives, to open the eyes of the blind. Mary, why? Has the Holy Ghost overshadowed you? Because that which is conceived in you is of the Lord, of the Holy Ghost. And he shall be named Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus even used parables to describe the work that he would do. He described scenarios that were similar to the work that he would do. He said there was a man who was traveling from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he was traveling on his way, he was met by thieves and robbers. They cast him down and they began to, they began to abuse him and, and they robbed him and they left him half dead. He described religious figures, a Levite and a certain priest who walked by the man, but because of their duties as religious figures, they, they did not stop to help the man. And then he said there was a Samaritan. This was a poignant message because the Samaritans were shunned by those who were hearing what he was preaching. He said the Samaritan came by, saw the man, went down to the man, had oil and balm with him, oil and wine. And he appropriated those medicines, if you please, those healing agents to the wounds of this man who was left half dead. And helped him, restored him, took him to an inn, paid the innkeeper, and, and, and he took care of this man. And, and he said, which was neighbor unto the man? They said, well, the Samaritan was clearly the, the, the most helpful. And he said, go and do thou 
likewise. The whole story was about us. Which one are you going to be? Are you going to be the Levite? Or are you going to be the certain priest? Or are you going to be the Samaritan? We have come to call him the good Samaritan who stepped out of his way and and stepped off of his plan and off of his path, walked down into where this man was broken and bloodied and bruised and lifted him up out of the despair that he had found himself in. And Jesus said, that's what all of us have to do. Go and do thou likewise. When he sent out his, his disciples, he sent them out two by two and, and commissioned them to do exactly what he was anointed to do. When he ascended on high, when he was imparting unto his disciples, he explained to them to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Go and preach the gospel in all nations. Make sure that every nation of the earth hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Why? Because this whole thing is about saving people. The church must never forget that we are in the soul-saving business. Hallelujah. What do I mean by soul-saving business? We've heard that before. It's come in one ear before and it's gone out the other ear before. Sometimes it convicts us. Sometimes it's just so common phraseology that we just ignore it and think, yeah, that's right, that's, that's true. And then we go on as if it isn't true. But the, but the fact of the matter is we're in the soul-saving business. Amen. Every person that you see has a soul. They are a soul, and souls live forever. And souls are going to live forever somewhere. And we are in the business of saving souls. Oh, hallelujah. This passage of Scripture that we have read, it comes into this place of the story that that is just, it's, it's one of the most remarkable stories of forgiveness that the Bible contains. It's of this man, this patriarch, Joseph, who when we read about him here, he is the governor of Egypt. He is well known. He is well respected because the work that he has done has, has completely paved the way for Egypt and all the world to escape the calamity of famine that has fallen upon the world. And as Joseph is this governor in Egypt, I want to take you back because we see a very poignant moment where he is having an interaction with his brothers. And and his brothers are afraid of him and are saying to one another, Dad is dead. And there's no reason for Joseph to care anything about us any longer. And, and the, the reality is that he's most likely going to hate us because it was really dad that he loved. And he probably only treated us well because dad was alive. And certainly he's going to call us to account for the evil that we perpetrated upon him. No question because the evil that we did has haunted us since the day we did it. 
And we see this poignant moment where they come to him saying, we want to remind you what our father Jacob said. He, he said you should forgive us. And Joseph, we are begging for your forgiveness. And they bow themselves before him and say, we, we are your servants. That's interesting language because that's the same language that the prodigal son used when he went back home to his father's house. After he had mistreated his father, took advantage of his father, really, really, basically looked at his father as, a, as, as simply a means by which he could gain much material wealth and and he went off and lived however he wanted to live and, and disowned his family. That's what happened. He disowned his father. You know better to me and for me than the money you can provide. And he went off and did how he wanted to do. But when he came back, he came back ashamed and broken. He came back feeling like he had done something, some sort of irreparable harm. And he said, I will be happy if I can just be a servant in my father's house. Only to hear his father say, you are not my servant. You are my son. And that's what condemnation will do to people. Condemnation will make people feel like that the only way that I can have forgiveness is if I, is if I serve my way back to being forgiven. If I earn the forgiveness. And, and that's the amazing thing about the mercy of God is that none of us could ever earn the mercy that God has for us. I, it doesn't matter how good you try to be. You cannot earn the mercy of God. Go ahead and try to dot every I. Go ahead and try to cross every T. And you still will be unable to earn the mercy of God. And you will never understand the sufficiency of God's grace until you understand the deficiency of your flesh. None of your good works bring about any kind of merit for you to be forgiven. You are forgiven because God loves you. And when you turn to him, he can pour out his mercy and his grace upon you. Oh no, you're not you're not forgiven because you are good. You are forgiven because he is good. And his loving kindness and his tender mercies are so precious and so beautiful. And they're so rich and so rewarding that when you truly understand them and embrace them, it will stir within you a desire to serve him. You won't serve him out of obligation. You'll serve him out of a deep love and devotion to him. Because nobody loved you like he loves you. Nobody cared like he cares. That's what, that's what generates the deep and abiding devotion of the child of God. And so Joseph looks upon them and he weeps at his brother's plea and their offer to serve for his forgiveness. He weeps. And he says to them, he said, listen, and, and, and you've heard the statement what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. Anybody ever heard that statement? It comes from this verse. This is the verse that inspires that understanding. What the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. It's encapsulated in Joseph's forgiveness of his brothers because he says to them, I know that you thought evil against me. They called it evil. 
That's one of the first things that you got to understand about sin. You have to confess it. You have to confess that, yes, this is sin. You can't keep living a lie thinking that it's not sin. Oh, it's sin. Oh, it's evil. Oh, it's wicked. And I'm bringing it to God asking for mercy. And Joseph says, you meant it for evil. And then he says something so profound, I can't even wrap my brain around it. He said, but God, hallelujah, but God, we can stop right there, but God meant it for the good to, to bring it to pass as it is this day. Don't worry about what it used to be. Thank God for what it is this day. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know where all you used to go and what all you used to do and how many mistakes you used to make, but I know what's happening this day. Woo! This day, you're in the presence of the Lord. This day, you're lifting up holy hands without wrath, hallelujah, and without doubting. This day, you're feeling the loving touch of a merciful God who wants to pour his grace upon you. Joseph said, I know if you want to revisit all that tears streaming down his face, his brothers all knelt down before him and him trying to maintain his composure, sentence broken up with, with him trying to maintain some steady ability to speak. I know you meant it for the evil, but God used it for his purpose to bring it to pass as it is this day. To save much people alive. Hallelujah. To save much people alive. It's, it's like when Joseph understood that. It made everything okay. As long as many people are being saved. Then doesn't matter what happened to bring us to this point as long as many hungry are being filled then everything I went through it makes sense now as as long as those who are destitute and broken are able to come to an oasis of salvation and joy in their inner man. And forget about it. No, I know you meant it for evil. But God, in his infinite wisdom, God, in his divine providence, God, in his everlasting love and tender mercy, he meant it unto the good. The Bible says, that when Joseph first saw his brothers appear, like the whole world was appearing, you have to understand that Joseph was elevated because he truly invented a system that saved the world. And he was a prisoner, falsely accused. His brothers positioned him for failure, betrayal and rejection, earmarked his life. This after a glorious entrance into the world. The firstborn son of Rachel. This, this young 
man who had the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob upon his life, dreaming dreams, receiving a coat of many colors. Life was planned out for him. It was going to be perfect. Utter betrayal. Utter rejection. Utter envy. Hatred. Murder in their hearts. They set him up for total failure. Sold him into slavery. Joseph now is the governor of Egypt. You want to know why? Because of this, this bitter path that his brothers set him sail upon. Landed him in a prison for no good reason. Falsely accused. Languishing for two years after he interpreted the butler and the baker's dreams. Nothing has worked out in his life. He is a broken man you would think, you would suspect. But when Pharaoh had a dream that nobody could interpret, the butler remembered Joseph. said there was a man in the prison who could interpret dreams. This reminds me of when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that nobody could interpret. And he called for the soothsayers and the Chaldeans and the magicians and the astrologers. And none of the world's experts could interpret his dream. So he called for Daniel, in whom was an excellent spirit. And Daniel interpreted his dream. Let me say, ladies and gentlemen, that our world today is having dreams. They're having thoughts. They see what's going on and they know down deep inside something's not right. Something's broken. Who can give us direction? And they're looking to the Assyrians and the Chaldeans and the magicians and the soothsayers and the fortune tellers and all of the experts and nobody is able to give them direction. Hey church, we're in the soul saving business. We've got to be in the position of giving the direction that is needed. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Which was neighbor unto that man in the pit? The certain priest, the Levite, or the good Samaritan? Go and do thou likewise. Hallelujah. They need direction. They need direction. Joseph had direction. Daniel had direction. And this direction that Joseph gave literally put into place a system. He called it out. He said there are going to be seven years of plenty. Plenty like we've never known. It's going to be so abundant. The resources are going to be mass multiplied. Our barns are going to overflow. And we have to be careful not to become excessive in that time. We have to be good stewards because those seven years of plenty are going to be the mercy and the grace of God. For the seven years of famine that will follow. And the seven years of famine that will follow will be something that will devastate the whole earth. And God has revealed it to you. And God has given me the interpretation of what he has spoken into your dream. And we are going to be a soul saving station. Hallelujah. So that people who are hungry where they are. 
people who are broken where they are, people who are destitute where they are, can climb up out of the pit where they have fallen and can make their way to a place that is prepared to feed the hungry, a place that is prepared to give food to the weary soul, a place that is prepared to open the storehouse and let all that God has given and let it flow out to a hungry and a lost world. Yeah, hallelujah. Glory to God. And so he did this. They implemented the system. And for seven years, it was disciplined. It was seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest. And it was disciplined and it was focused and it was a laser-like precision. And they were filling the storehouses, filling the storehouses. People wanted access to it. No, we can't because there are seven years of famine coming. There is a Darth coming upon the whole world. There is a famine. There is a destitution that's coming upon the whole world. And we have to be ready because when every other system fails, this one cannot fail. When every other engineering idea falters, this one cannot falter. When the power grid goes down, this power grid can't go down because the world is in need of salvation. And the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. <laughs> and so the seven years of plenty are so rewarding. Thank God they didn't lose their focus when the winds were blowing just right, when the seed was planted just right, when the crops came up just right, when they mass multiplied, when they were mass produced, when, when there was just so much hearty harvest. Thank God they didn't lose their focus or become complacent. Because just as God had explained and predicted and brought to their understanding, those seven years of plenty came to a screeching halt. When they came to a halt, they gave way to seven years of famine like the world had never seen. And everything that they had once had confidence in came crashing down. Everything that once produced stopped producing. And the whole world looked to their means and nothing they had could produce any kind of deliverance or any kind of victory. And, and they didn't know where to go. But word started traveling that there's corn in Egypt. Oh, I wish I could tell somebody today. Who there is corn in Egypt. I, I know I know we're living in an Egypt-like land. I, I understand that there's a lot of paganism going on around us. I, I understand that there's a lot of heathenism and there's a lot of brokenness and dysfunction in our world. But there is corn in Egypt and don't you forget it. There is a harvest, hallelujah, a holy heavenly harvest and don't you forget it. Somebody said to somebody who said to somebody else, there is corn in Egypt. Let us rise up and go to Egypt and receive the bounty we need. And from all over the world they came and they collapsed upon Egypt. But Egypt was prepared because Joseph, Joseph the steward, the governor, he was 
He was large and in charge. He knew what was happening, and he knew how to make it happen, and he knew how to get the job done. And he prepared for this moment. And here they came from the north, the south, the east, and the west. You better get ready for people to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Because they're coming. Because there's famine in the land. Because there's dearth in the world. Because the world systems are broken down. And there's corn in Egypt. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why, why, do we have, why do we have these big machines in the soccer field, Pastor? Because they're coming. I said, because they're coming. Why, why are we digging storm drains? Because they're coming. Hallelujah, we have to get ready. We're in the middle of a season of plenty. We're in the middle of a season of bounty. Don't sit down back and act like this is just something we'll have all the time and take it for granted has this last year not awakened you at all to understand that things can change at a moment's notice don't you understand not to take for granted the blessing of the Lord but to appreciate every blessing and every day that you wake up breathe gratitude to God and thank him for this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Here they came from the north, south, east, and west. And sure enough, among them came those brothers, Joseph's brothers, those men, those treacherous men who through envy and hate and wrath and anger and malice. They, they almost killed him. They wanted to kill him. The only reason they didn't kill him is because their conscience got the better of them. And they decided that they'd rather not have murder on their charge. Listen, when you hate somebody, God said that's, that's, that's the spiritual version of killing somebody. It's having hatred in your heart. And, and so, so they, they sold him into slavery. In slavery, he was falsely accused. And, and, and while he was falsely accused, he was cast into prison. While he was in prison, he was forgotten and left there, destitute and broken. It was a horrible life that Joseph was living. But here are his brothers. They're coming back. Now, I won't take you. Time would fail me to tell you about all that that interaction generated and the way that he dealt with them and kept them back for three days and then, then he kept Simeon back and sent the rest back and picked up Benjamin and brought him back and it was all in an effort to get Jacob there and he wanted to see his father whom he loved. I won't go through all of that. I'll just say that when Joseph looked at those men that had betrayed him and wounded him, it brought it all back. The pit the Bible says there was no water in that pit. It brought the pit back to his present memory. Oh, he 
had water now, but, but it brought the, the days when he didn't have water back to his mind. Oh, he was, oh, he was, he was well respected now, but it brought back when he was being falsely accused and called a, a rapist, and he was not a rapist, and it brought it all back. And as he looked at those brothers as they were coming, now begging for the corn that he had prepared, it brought it all back. He was dealing with it. At one point, he had to leave their presence and go weep and heave in weeping, crying, travailing because he was trying to maintain his composure in dealing with these who had betrayed him so viciously. But as he sorted through it all and looked back and looked forward and looked around, he realized, you know what? A lot of people have been saved. And if they had never sold me into slavery... They would have never been saved. And if I had never been cast into a pit without water, they would have never been saved. And if I would have never been falsely accused, they would have never been saved. And if I would have never been left in a lonely prison, they would have never been saved. And if I would have never been forgotten, abandoned, and broken, they would have never been saved. You know what? It's all right. Because to save much people alive is the end goal. And whatever I had to go through to save much people alive, to God be the glory for the things he has done. Hallelujah. Listen, I know, I know that you don't appreciate some of the things that you've gone through in life. But like the Apostle Paul said, he said, to the weak, I became as weak. He didn't enjoy being made weak, but God made him weak. God weakened him so that he could be so weak that the weakest person he met could relate to him because he to the weak had become weak you know why he said to the weak I became weak and to the strong I became strong I became all things to all men listen that doesn't that does not mean that he was a chameleon trying to fit in and blend in with every environment that's not what it means it means God took him through some valleys low and mountains high and let him experience life to such a degree and across a wide spectrum that by the time he got to this point in his ministry and life, he could relate to anybody who needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, you're broken. I've been broken. Oh, you've been bit by a snake. I've been bit by a snake. Oh, you've been shipwrecked. I've been shipwrecked. Oh, you've received stripes. I received stripes. Oh, you've been cast down. I've been cast down. You've been persecuted. I've been persecuted. You've been broken. I've been broken. I became all things to all men that by all means I might save some. Look around you, ladies and gentlemen. There are people that need to be saved. That's why you went through what you went through. That's why God blessed you when he blessed you. That's why God let you experience the challenges you experienced. That by all means, you might save some. 
Hallelujah. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? What, I'll tell you what time it is. You want to know what time it is? It's time to open the storehouse. Hallelujah. Everything that God has ever put inside of you. Hallelujah. I said everything that God has ever put inside of you. Every impartation that every saint of God has ever spoken to you along the way. It's time to open the storehouse. Every word of prophecy that has come over you and you tucked it away in the storehouse. It's time to open the storehouse. Every time you spoke in tongues. Every time you wept before God. Every time you came out on the other side victorious. Every experience that you've had in God. It's time to open the storehouse and feed the hungry and save people. Uh, oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. Is it worth the brokenness? Yeah, if it saves much people alive, absolutely. If you use it for the glory of God, absolutely. If you give it to God, absolutely. I want to I see a show of hands of people who know what it's like to feel broken. I want you to give it to God right now. Because what the devil thought for evil, God is going to use it unto the good to save much people alive. Woo. He's going to use your pit, hallelujah, to feed the hungry. He's going to use you being forgotten to feed the hungry. He's going to use your loneliness to feed the hungry. And when it's all said and done, you're going to look around and say, I'm not even mad at them. I'm not even resentful of them. Because God used it to save much people alive. If you receive it today, lift up your hands with me in this house and give God the praise. Give God the praise. Give God the praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I need some people who have been through some things to stand to your feet and give God praise right now and say, Lord, I want you to use my life. Lord, I want to be, I want to be pliable in your hands. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I remember the young man that I met in Virginia. The pastor asked if I could talk to him. He said he was a very broken young man because he was the star pitcher in the state. And he had college scouts look in his direction. He was absolutely going to the major leagues. His fast, his fast pitch was, his fastball was like none they had seen in a long time. He was a member of the church. He had, so, he had everything paved for him. MLB scouts were looking at this young man out of high school. And then he started having some symptoms that were strange. 
he went to get it checked out as a matter of caution. And it was a cancerous brain tumor that totally debilitated his motor skills. He went through a terrifying season of sickness for a year and a half. He couldn't walk for a while. They had to, they had to teach him how to walk again. And he had to let alone throw the kind of fastball he once had thrown. His whole life changed course. It slowed his speech. His motor skills began to come back, but, but not at the level they were. The pastor said, do you think you could maybe spend a little time with him and try to encourage him? I said, oh, absolutely. So I did. I was preaching a meeting there. I was the one who was encouraged. Because that young man said to me, he said, if, if, I, would have never, if I would have never been stricken with that sickness, I would have never met these kids at the cancer camps. They're so broken and so in need of somebody to love and care. He said, I never, I never knew they existed. I mean, I knew it theoretically, but I didn't understand. He said, I never would have known them if I'd have stayed on my path to Major League Baseball. He said, so yeah, it was hard, but it was worth it. Man, I, folks, I'm the one that needed to hear that. Because can you look around your life and all the stuff you complained about and all the stuff you think, well, if that wouldn't happen, if I wouldn't have been cast into a pit, think how far I'd be today. If I hadn't been falsely accused, think, just think how God could have used me. You gotta, you gotta stop that. And you gotta stand where it is to this day and say, God, use it to save much people alive use it to save much people alive I feel like somebody needs to reach out to God right now I feel like God wants to put some things in perspective for us hallelujah the altars are open I feel like we need to find a place to seek God hallelujah you've got stuff in your storehouse you didn't even know you had there because it's stuff you never valued. It's stuff you thought was trash. It's the stuff you regret. It's the stuff you wish would not have happened. It's the stuff in your life that you wish you could redo and, and erase. And God is saying, no, I meant it unto the good. No, I, I want to use it for my glory. I'm going to use it to minister to somebody and bless somebody. Oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I want somebody to bring their deepest, darkest moment to God right now. And He's going to sanctify it and show you how He's going to use it for His glory. My God, my God. Who am I preaching to today? Who am I preaching to today? I know you're here. Precious blood. Precious. 
God wants to minister deeply to somebody this morning. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, I want you to bring I want you to bring it to God. I know we talk about bringing our praise to God. Can you bring him your pain? Can you bring God your pain? Come on, take your pain and lift it up to God right now and said, "God, receive my pain today." Lord, receive my brokenness today. Lord, receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't a setback. It was a setup. I want you to know it wasn't taking you backward. It was taking you forward. I want you to know that what you experienced, if you'll give it to God right now, He's going to use it in ways you never dreamed He could use it to save much people alive. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, come to the altar.
bound 